Hey you, welcome to Taylor Shapers of Influence podcast, where we discuss the people, places, and things that will influence us. We'll dissect the integrated worlds of marketing, pop culture, and everything in between, from fashion to sports to entertainment. We're not only creating conversations, we're leading them too. Join us. Hello and welcome to Shapers of Influence podcast. I am Anna Rose Rupert. Today we are talking about women in sports, what it's like to be a sports fan who is a woman, how sports can be inclusive, and how it informs our work. We are joined by Yvette Seymour, Taylor Strategist, and Berkeley Cohen. Taylor's senior account executive. Welcome. Can you tell us a little about yourselves? Hi, as Anna Rose said, my name is Yvette Senor and I'm a strategist here at Taylor. This August will be my third year coming up. Boy, does time fly. And I am an avid, avid sports fan. I love to follow football and soccer, but of course, following other sports as well. And I'm super appreciative that I can have a career in sports. Hi, I'm Berkeley Cohn. I'm a senior account executive here at Taylor. This will be, I guess, coming up on my fourth year, I think. I've kind of lost track of time a little bit. And I have always had a passion for, for sports. And I've worked across a lot of Taylor's sports campaigns. So excited to, to talk to you both today about some of our experiences. That's great. And thanks. Also, sports are my passion. I have always been a sports nut. When I was little, my parents would find me watching anything related to sports on TV. One time when I was like five, they found me in a den watching bowling. When I was growing up, math was hard for me, but I knew that 21 was more than 17. When it came to the score of the Eagles game the day before, and 41 is always more than 33. The Eagles beat the New England Patriots 41-33 to in the Super Bowl 52. I love to watch sports. I love to talk about sports. How has sports impacted your life growing up, and how does it impact your life now? Sports has had a huge impact on my life. I grew up a Carolina basketball fan and a Florida football fan, courtesy of my parents, from a really young age, I've played, I think, every sport imaginable, but the only one that really stuck with me was volleyball. I started playing in middle school and then played competitively year-round all throughout high school. I did know, though, that it probably wasn't going to take me to college as an athlete. However, my love of sports definitely drove me to then pursue a career um, in sports. So I received my bachelor's in sports business at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill with a minor in sports entrepreneurship. And throughout my time in college and high school, I had summer internships and worked summer programs with the Miami Dolphins, with a sports facility um, in Atlanta, doing marketing for them. So Throughout my time in college, I really started to see it as a career path for me. And I started to see sports beyond just being a hobby or something that I was a fan of. It was a job and sports business was something that I knew I wanted to pursue for for the rest of my career. 
Similar to Berkeley, sports has always been a part of my life. I'm sure I was put in Dallas Cowboys gear since the moment I was born. But really, my passion for sports um, ignited with soccer and that 99 uh, U.S. Women's National Team. Mia Hamm, Julie Foudy, Brandi Chastain. I always looked up to them, and they were such big role models for me. So I went on to play soccer competitively for about 12 years until my ankles decided to give out. But aside from that, I've been such an avid fan of the NFL, specifically the Dallas Cowboys and a huge fan of Peyton Manning. And my parents always told me when it came to my career, do something that you truly love so it doesn't seem like work. So when I went to Marist College, I studied sports communication and broadcast journalism. Four years later, I graduated and ended up at Taylor Strategy and have been so fortunate to work across incredible NFL and soccer campaigns with P&G, with Panini and a couple of, the, of others. So, yeah, it's been it's been a huge part of my life. Always will be. I had a softball coach in third grade suggest to my parents that I not play in this one game because I might get hurt by the other team. He really didn't want me there because he thought I was not good and wanted to win the game. I played the game anyway. We lost 26 to two. I drove in one run with a walk and scored the other run. The next year, my new team beat his team in the playoffs. That, that was great. I joined Special Olympics New Jersey basketball team with my best friend, Lauren, who also had Down syndrome. We loved to play basketball, but couldn't keep up with the township teams. Special Olympics has been great for me. I did basketball, swimming, unified basketball, and soccer, and was selected to be on the New York Rebels unified team twice. That led to me to meet meeting with the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team and being on a float in the Secret Tape Parade Broadway in New York City after the 2015 FIFA World Cup victory. Berkeley, you have a bachelor's degree in sports business and a minor in sports entrepreneurship. Do you face barriers as a woman pursuing sports as an education path throughout high school and or college? Yeah, um, I don't think I really thought of it as a barrier at the time, but looking back, so I worked for UNC's football program and I worked in recruiting. And at the time I really thought I wanted to go into college athletics and college recruiting as my career. When I worked for UNC's football program for three years doing administrative work in the office. And then I also worked game days every game. So we had to be there like four hours before a game to, to do a recruiting program with 50 to 100 recruits. And looking back, when I describe my job, it sounds very legitimate, but we were actually called Blues Girls. Like that was our job title. So when people asked me, and it was all a group of women. So when people would ask me, what, what do I do for the football team? I would say, oh, I'm working recruiting. I'm a blues girl. And people would be like, oh, you're, you're just a blues girl. And for the longest time, like I was, I was 19. That was my job title. That was the title that was, that was given to me. Like I had that on my resume that I was a blues girl rather than like college recruiting intern or working for Carolina's college football recruiting department. Like I, my job title was, was my gender. And again, like I, it's very common that, that large state schools 
for their athletics programs, especially their men's athletics programs, will have groups of women that work in recruiting, that work these recruiting programs. And I have no idea if it's still the case there anymore. But looking back, I think that it kind of devalued the work that I was doing to give me that title of like a blues girl rather than a title that related to the work that I was actually doing in the recruiting department. So I don't necessarily think I saw it as a barrier and I've definitely learned to position it better than I did at the time. But it is just something that strikes me now older looking back like that was that was a little odd. Like that wasn't that shouldn't have been standard. That's not how they referred to the the football team assistants, the basketball team assistants. It's kind of like, why did we have to be called Blues Girls? Why couldn't we just be called what we were, which is a recruiting assistant? Yeah, that can you think of an opportunity that you got because you played sports, like a scholarship or my ticket to parade example, or even a great friend or memory you have because of sport? Well, my talents were not blessed enough for a scholarship. But really, to your point, the friends component is, is so important in that community that you build within sports, not only growing up when I was a part of sports teams, but also the network that I've created just working within sports from my colleagues at Taylor. I've been fortunate to be a part of a broadcasting boot camp with the Giants, part of Laura Oakman's camp that she does called Galvanize. I still connect with many of those women today, and they become dear friends of mine. And that's just one example of a network. And also just people that you interact with within your fan base. I think there's something so interesting about that energy and that bond that you create with complete strangers, but you have that shared interest of your team. Whether you're in the city and you're looking up sports bars to go to that are specific to your team, and that's how you can meet people. And just examples like that, I think that that community really is so important. And especially at work, I think what makes working in sports so cool is that you're working with other sports fans. So your team, you're creating campaigns and ideating things for essentially yourself. We know collectively what we want to consume as sports fans. And that community that we have at Taylor is so awesome. And it's just so badass to see how our brainstorms become ideas and, and how they're all executed and just see how everything comes to life. That community is so, so important and such a vital ingredient to really creating the work that we do. I so agree. Actually jumping in here, I think speaking on, on my work at the Carolina Recruiting Department as a, as a blues girl, the women that I worked alongside, we all use that as a stepping stone in our career. And for the most part, the majority of the women I work with are now killing it in the sports industry. And I see them on Instagram, whether they're working for their own college sports departments that they've now moved on to work for, or I have one of the girls I worked with, she works for the WNBA. And I like ran into her on the street in New York, walking to get lunch one day. And we just caught up quickly. So I feel like it definitely has created such a network for me too of just women who hype each other up too, whether, whether I talk to them daily or whether I just see what they're doing on Instagram, like it's a bonding source for us. Um, and I think it will continue to be for, you know, the rest of our lives. And I think that's a really important point as well. Just the community of women in sports, right? 
kind of like the aforementioned point, we know that there's barriers that are existing for female athletes and for women who work in sports. And we kind of all huddle together to really support each other, knowing, hey, there's people or, or forces of nature just against us. And over the times, it hasn't been the best environment. And while times are changing, it still is rough. So that network of women in sports is so important. And I know I, I keep in close contact with all the women in sports that I've worked with, whether it's at Taylor, whether it's at the Atlanta Falcons, when I interned in college, some of the women that I worked with have been a huge you know, part of who I am today. And I think that network is so important. Just I can speak, I know, for everyone that I work with as well. Women who play professional sports don't make the same money as men do. But the U.S. women's national team has more fans than the men's team does. And they dominate the sport while the men's team didn't even make it to the World Cup competition last time. Mm. (laughs) We don't see women sports as much on TV and women are not treated the same by by the media either. In my hometown trip, there was nobody that looked like me and Lauren, but everybody can love sports. You don't need to be a boy or a man. You can even have a disability. You can just like the competition and the entertainment of sports like I do. It's important that everybody is included so that young people see someone like them when they want to join. How are women athletes portrayed in the media and what kind of questions are they asked? I think it's interesting. We've obviously done a lot of work with with women in sports through some of our work with Secret. And a lot of the times when, you know, we have women athletes that we're working with, we have talent that we're working with, if we're booking media time with them, the majority of time we're looking at lifestyle media because people are way more interested in their personal lives and, you know, what they're doing outside of sports. I think they're like a top five women athletes that everyone knows. And they all have like brands that they're building beyond what they're doing on the field, which is incredible to begin with. But it's unfortunate to see that for the most part, these women are all still playing and they're still very active in their sport. But the questions that they're being asked, unless it's like a a beat writer that specifically covers women's sports or women's tennis or women's soccer, for the most part, they're being asked questions about their dating life, about their family, about their children, which is all very important, but it's it's not their job. It's not their career. And I, I would love to see media pay more attention to what they're doing on the field as equally as they pay attention to who they're dating off the field. Yeah. And over the years, of course, it's gotten significantly better. I just remember being a girl and a lot of female athletes were tend to be, were put in a over-sexualized light, totally not even about the sport, but I used to see people talk about Maria Sharapova in a certain way, or even certain Super Bowl commercials were very sexualized. And growing up, I used to think, well, what value does that put on women in the sports category or even female fans themselves? Like, what are we looking up to? And of course, as I mentioned before, things have gotten better, but also to Berkeley's point too, now it's transformed into something else where certain lifestyle magazines are the only ones that will want to talk to our female athletes or everything is kind of centered around them as a mother, which of course is incredible, 
but doesn't always highlight their accolades. You know, for example, Serena Williams, there's so much conversation about how she hasn't won a Grand Slam title since she had her child. And the fact that she's even playing at the level that she is now and has maintained such a high ranking through the years consistently is so incredible. And how come that's not the conversation? And then another thing out there is that sometimes the media doesn't want to highlight external things to motherhood or even their sports accolades, such as the activism that's done off the court. There's this concept that exists today of shut up and dribble, right? Where some people and even some media outlets aren't comfortable with athletes talking about their off the field activism. Meanwhile, they're people who have every right to be a part of that conversation. And I think that is a huge issue today that people don't allow these athletes to go outside of their box. And fortunately, there are those that do want to uplift those conversations and do want to uplift those athletes. Just recently, Together is a, it's a new media platform founded by Sue Bird, Alex Morgan, and others. And essentially, one of their goals is A, to increase coverage of women's sports, but B, to also ensure that women aren't just put in this box, that they're not this monolith. They're athletes and mothers too, but you know they're also activists. They're also entrepreneurs and there's so much more to them. So it's good to see that there's all signs pointing up, but there's definitely a lot of work that needs to be done. I agree. I think also talking about motherhood, it was, I think the craziest thing for me when we worked with the National Women's Soccer League players for Secret most recently is that a lot of them are mothers and a lot of the conversations in the media were around the fact that the National Women's Soccer League commissioner, Lisa Baird, was providing childcare for all of the mothers who are going to be in quarantine in the bubble when they were playing during their, their tournament throughout COVID. And it's interesting because you never really saw that conversation with media for the men's leagues. You really only saw them talking about the men returning to play. And you also didn't see them talk about the fact that the women were the first to do it. So it's like, not only were they not covering it when they did cover it, they were talking about childcare. So it's just, it's very interesting to see. And again, I think it, it's incredible if these women are not only able to play professional sports, but also to do it as mothers. But I do think that there should be more of a focus on what they're doing on the field too. Mm -hmm. And I just remember when we were deep in the beginning of the pandemic, as Berkeley was saying, the National Women's Soccer League, they were the first team sport to return in the United States. However, I would turn on ESPN and they were only talking about NBA, about NFL, which was light years away at the time, and other men's sports. And of course, those sports are interesting and, and I'm a fan of those sports as well. But how are you not going to talk about a tournament that's returning A, so soon and B, the first in the pandemic? And it wasn't just us who was noticing it, of course, because it's our job to really monitor these types of conversations. But just on social media, too, you could see the outrage of fans watching ESPN and, and other channels and outlets. How come they aren't covering these women? The media just tends to diminish these women. And that's that's a huge problem in of itself. Can you tell us more about sports marketing campaigns you've worked on and your role in the campaign? Yeah, of course. One of my favorite sports campaigns that I've been a part of was the 2020 NFL draft. Of course, we all had high hopes of going to Las Vegas for this draft. And unfortunately, we were hit with a global pandemic, which, of course, you know, was really a big hindrance on our plans. 
But I think what made it really, really special was that it was so incredible to see how our team totally adapted to something so unprecedented and was able to make a campaign go completely digital. If you're familiar with some of our work with P&G at the draft, typically, you know, of course we do something on social, but we do a lot of on the site activations. So this was the first year that we went completely digital, really because we had to. And I thought it was really incredible that we were able to preserve such a sacred tradition of the draft, which was the red carpet. You know, every year these NFL athletes come sporting their best suits and in some incredible patterns and colors and walk down that red carpet. And it's really, you know, become such a big part of draft as we've seen that fashion and sports has really intertwined over the last years. And, you know, we were able to, as I mentioned, preserve that tradition and kind of bring that red carpet home to them. And we made these players their own, you know, directors and they were their own cameramen and they really created that content themselves. And, you know, even though it was still at home and not Las Vegas, it was really special to preserve that moment for them. Oh, and also, might I add, that we are up for three a and Reggies for that work. Very exciting. Two years ago, I was on the ground with Olay for their Make Space for Women Super Bowl commercial, which was also calling attention to making space for women, not only NFL fans within the NFL space, but making space for women in STEM. So literally making space for, for women. So that was awesome to work on. And we worked with really cool talent with Busy Phillips. And I was able to be on the ground at Super Bowl with, with them on Radio Row, which is just always a thrilling experience. But this past year, due to the pandemic, we also did a virtual campaign for Super Bowl and we weren't on the ground for that either, similar to Draft. But it was our first TikTok campaign with PNG, which was awesome. We created a branded filter with TikTok and we wanted everyone to get on the fun. You know, obviously Super Bowl looked a lot different for most people this year, viewing, you know, small watch parties safely from home. But that doesn't mean you can't get in on the fun. And so everyone was able to share their their TikTok game day picks using the this or that challenge that went absolutely viral on TikTok, which was really fun to kind of bring those insights to the table and craft a campaign around something that had already gone viral and that we were really leaning into both as a brand and as a sports entity. And honestly, just hearing your response, I have to give such a huge shout out to Taylor Strategy because they're giving women like us these incredible opportunities. I mean, Burks has been a part of so many Super Bowls and so many drafts. And you know what? It was so surreal for me graduating college and being on the ground in Nashville for the draft and being a part of other campaigns. So I would really love to shout out Taylor Strategy for giving us and our, our other female colleagues these opportunities to work with sports. Not only just giving us these, these opportunities, but trusting us with these insights and trusting us with the brainstorms and you know all of the work that we dedicate for, for their client partners. Totally piggybacking off of that. I have to give Yvette a specific shout out as a strategist, bringing some of these insights to the table. Yvette brought us the insight that only 4% of sports media coverage is dedicated to women's sports. And that really kicked off kind of our entire campaign and led us to a ton of opportunity with Secret and the National Women's Soccer League last year. So I I totally agree. I think, you know, when I look back on my career and I, I say things out loud that I've worked on, I am like blown away by the opportunities that I've been given and by the campaigns I've been able to work on and the people I've been able to meet and the events I've been able to attend and staff. It really is kind of a dream come true. I have one more and final question before we end this. 
What changes would you like to see in sports marketing landscape over the next several years? I think a really interesting point that was brought up in last year's ESPNW Summit was that brands need to start creating programs for female fans. We know that nearly half of um, NFL fans are women. However, how many campaigns are we seeing that are specific to female NFL fans? The only one that I can honestly think of is Secret Deodorant and some of the campaigns that they've created. And while, of course, women can be a part of the campaigns that exist today that are really made for men and women, how come brands aren't really capitalizing on the fact that, hey, like nearly 50% of the fans are women. Like, why don't we create programs that are specifically for female fans? You know, we have just as much passion. And I think that's really important to see across all professional sports leagues. So that's one thing that I'd really like to change, see change over the years. And I'd love to see brands join Secret. I feel like we always kind of bring it back to Secret deodorant. And of course, one of our partners that we have done so much work uh, for, but they really are on the forefront for women. We'd really love to see a lot more brands get involved. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think something also is that a lot of the campaigns that we're doing in women's sports are positioned as a women in sports campaign. And obviously we're nowhere near... this ever happening yet, but I would love to get to a point where partnering with the National Women's Soccer League, partnering with those women is not seen as a women's sports campaign. It's seen as a sports campaign because that's what it is. I I think if you partner with a men's league, it's a sports campaign. So if you partner with a women's league, it, it should be the same. And obviously positioning it as a women in sports campaign and really highlighting the impact that stuff like that has is really important right now. But to me, the goal would be to eventually not have to do that anymore because it would just be, of course, it's, it's a sports campaign. It's, women or not, it's it's a sports campaign. I think one of the biggest things there is is really highlighting and partnering with these women athletes who aren't necessarily making headlines. It's a recent campaign um, with the National Women's Soccer League. Like I, I was dealing with these women directly. They don't have agents, they don't have teams. And meanwhile, for some of our NFL draft campaigns, I'm working with football players who haven't played a minute of professional sports and they have publicists, they have agents, they have managers, they have whole teams behind them and that are like, helping guide them. <laughs> Yeah, that are helping guide them. And these women who are killing it and have been killing it for years and are so known within their sports, I'm getting direct phone calls from them at night to ask questions about billing and invoices. So that kind of struck me as this is something that that needs to change. We need to increase the visibility to these women beyond the top five to 10 that we know. We need to really start highlighting, you know, all of these women who are contributing to these teams. And that also kind of pops Another idea in my head, I think brands need to start partnering with with female sports aside from the ones that we typically see, like gymnastics, soccer, tennis, sports like that. And of course, we should continue supporting athletes of those sports, but there's so many others as well. You know, we have swimming, we have wrestling, track and field, et cetera. There are so many other female sports out there and they really don't get that limelight. They don't get that recognition and we do have to highlight them as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think women probably get the most attention in college as college athletes. And then they're obviously really heroed as Olympians, but there's a level in between, which is just being a professional athlete. And for some reason, it seems like there's a gap there for the majority of women who make it past college, but aren't necessarily making it onto the Olympic team. Like they're, they're still professional athletes and they're still winning championships within their leagues, whether it's soccer, swimming, tennis, that it's still their career. I'm going to say, Thank, thank you, Berkeley and Yvette, for joining me today.
it was a pleasure speaking with you both. Yeah, it was a pleasure speaking with you as well. And I'm really glad we can have these um, types of conversations to hopefully one day change the way that female sports landscape is. Thank you both so much. It's an honor to work beside you guys. Well, that wraps up this episode of Taylor's Shapers of Influence. To learn more about what we do at Taylor, you can find us at taylorstrategy.com. Looking for more episodes of the podcast? Find us wherever you stream stuff. We're on iTunes and other major streaming platforms. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Taylor Strategy. Thanks for stopping by and tuning in. Peace.